Anyway, we talked about that. This week I want to keep reading in 1 Peter 2. So go ahead and turn there. Keep your finger in Exodus, though. 1 Peter 2. We were in 9 and 10 last week. And I'm just going to look really quick at verses 11. Because uh, there's something that Peter's writing to the believers there. He calls them something else. Remember, he called them a chosen race. He called them a royal priesthood. He called them, uh, called them a holy nation. And then he calls them something else that I think is important for us to keep in mind. Uh, as people of God, but also as we continue to ask God, what are you trying to do in us through this move? And he gives them a title. He calls them something else. Let's look at it. He says, brothers and sisters, of course, he's talking to the Christians. He's talking to the churches there in Asia Minor. He said, you are foreigners and aliens here. You are foreigners and aliens here. Your version may say something a little different. Yours may say foreigners and strangers Um, Some versions say strangers and pilgrims. The amplified version, if you have the amplified, it actually even adds um, exiles in there. Foreigners and strangers and exiles. And so what Peter is doing again is he's connecting the past and the present for uh, for his readers. He's writing this letters and he's doing this connecting thing. Connecting history with the present, present. The ancient days with the modern day. He's doing it again. And just like when God called... Uh, the people of Israel to do uh, to be a, a royal priesthood to be a holy nation back in Exodus nineteen six we talked about that last week. Here Peter is bringing up another aspect of the identity and the destiny of the people of God. Since you're in Exodus, turn really really quick to Exodus twenty three. Go ahead and turn there. These these scriptures that we're turning to are really important. I know I have a lot of scriptures up on the screen, but if we can't find where those scriptures are in the Bible, then we are not good for a whole lot. Okay? So Exodus chapter 23. Remember I said we're doing kind of a leapfrog thing. You know, if, if you went through the whole thing and in order, it would take 10 years. So we're doing kind of a leapfrog thing through the book of Exodus. It says, you shall not oppress a stranger. Okay, there's that word again. Since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger, in other words, you know what it feels like to be a stranger. For you also were strangers in the land of Egypt. Okay? You shall not oppress a stranger because you know what it feels like to be a stranger. Because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. This word stranger in the, in the Hebrew is the word ger. Like ger. You know, G-E-R. Ger. Uh, it comes from the word gore, that means um, to sojourn. And so whenever he calls someone a stranger here, basically what he's calling a stranger is a sojourner. In fact, in, in your first Peter 2, some of your Bibles may actually take the, the word foreigner or stranger and alien and only use one word. It may say as, stra- um, as sojourners um, here. And so it's, it's kind of the same word, same idea. But he's calling, Peter is calling, he's telling every believer that is reading the letter then and that would be reading it now, which would be us, he's calling them sojourners. So us as believers this morning, us as Christians this morning, he's literally saying, you guys are sojourners. He called us a royal, uh, royal priesthood. He called us the holy nation. He called us a chosen race. And here he gives us another title as sojourners. Okay? Um, if you don't know what to, a a sojourner is, if you don't know what it means to sojourn, basically it means to dwell for a little while. It means to dwell for a season of time, to dwell um, in a temporary way, a temporary stay, to visit for a while. And so like in Exodus 23, verse 9, where he's ta- he says that you shall not oppress 
a sojourner. For you, you, you know what it feels like to be a sojourner. You were sojourners in the land of Egypt. He's basically talking about the 400-year stay when they were oppressed in Egypt. That 400 years, um, God is saying that's considered a sojourner because you were there a while. You weren't there for eternity. You were only there 400 years, which is a long time. But it's still, in the scheme of things, it's only a while. You know what I mean? So you were there for 400 years. And, you know, you can turn there if you want. But in Exodus 12, it talks about that. Um, Moses was even saying, Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt, and it says it that way, the sojourning of the people of Israel while they dwelt in uh, Egypt was about 430 years. Okay? But even if you, re- if you keep reading God's Word, if you read it more and more, you really find that God's people were always on the move. You know, start in, start in Genesis and work your way really throughout the whole Bible. And there, there's all kinds of journeys, all kinds of sojourning happening, all kinds of sojourners, Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and all of these people. And so, in fact, I want you to write this down. God keeps his people on the move. Write that down if you're taking notes. God keeps his people on the move. Again, you can see that all the way back to Abraham. Abraham seemed to be constantly on the move. Of course, we know that God said, go forth from your country to the land I will show you over in Genesis uh, chapter 12. But later on in that place, it says that he sojourned in chapter 12. It says he sojourned in Egypt. And then there's another place in chapter 20 where it says that he journeyed to the land of Negev. And in the same verse, it says, and then he went from there and sojourned in Gerar. And then in chapter 21, it says that Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines. So, I mean, this idea of sojourning is all over the place. Uh, Genesis 35, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all sojourned in the land of Hebron. Um, It talks about how Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all sojourned even in the land of Canaan. They weren't, uh, their their experience there was like a sojourn, even though that was the promised land. Scripture talks about, even in Hebrews 11, it talks about how it was a sojourning. And so the idea of sojourning is really all over Scripture, even Moses. <laughs> we know Moses was in Egypt for 40 years, and then he went to Midian for another 40 years. Then he came back to get his peeps out of you know, Egypt, and he and the people of Israel wandered around in the desert for, for, um, for another 40 years. So this idea of sojourning, being in a place for a while, a temporary stay, uh, a people kind of on the move, it's all over Scripture. The Bible's full of sojourning people. And so you can even write that down too if you want. God's people are a sojourning people. You're here this morning, and though you may not be in the midst of a move, kind of like I am, <laughs> and like we are, if you're not in personally, personally experiencing a move, it doesn't mean that you're not a sojourning people. You're still a sojourning people because we talked about last week how God's moving more than just in geographical ways. He's moving our hearts. He's moving in our lives. He's doing things in our lives that are more than just geographical. He's always working in the spiritual to touch the deepest parts of of who we are. He's always on the move. He keeps his people on the move. He keeps things shaken up. You know what I mean? Keeping things on the move. And so so God's people are sojourning people. And it shouldn't surprise us that God's people are a sojourning people because God himself sojourned upon the earth. Maybe you don't think of it that way, but but think of it. Jesus Christ sojourned here to the earth. He came, he left heaven, and he came and spent uh, a season of history upon this earth. He came and he dwelt among men. 
you know, we, when we open the Bible, we like to read the red letters. We read Jesus' words. We like to do that, which is really good. And so if you're familiar with some of Jesus' words in, in Matthew 25, verse 35, it's remember, remember, it's when he says, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. You guys remember this? I was thirsty, you gave me a Pepsi. <laughs> you gave me something to drink. Look what he says. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. This word stranger is the same language that, first, uh, that Peter's talking about in 1 Peter 2. I was a sojourner, and you took me in. You, you gave me food. You gave me water. I was, I was a so, uh, sojourner. Jesus was a sojourner. Jesus was constantly on the go. We know that in his ministry, he went from place to place. He was preaching and healing and doing all that kind of stuff. He was constantly on the move. And it's not even that sojourning is just about being on the go. But listen, a sojourner is really someone who's vulnerable. I want you to kind of get that in your head and in your heart. A sojourner is someone that is vulnerable. A sojourner is a person who um, really comes into a land and, and lacks status. He lacks protection. He lacks provision in that foreign land and he needs help. There's all kinds of, we don't have time to go into them all right now, but there's all kinds of laws and things spelled out for the provision and the protection of a sojourner. You guys ever read any of that stuff? Uh, David was protected a couple times. There's people that were protected when they went into a land because of, um, it's almost like, um, uh, what's that, rules of engagement or rules of war or whatever, you know, there's certain things that you're protected under. But there's all kinds of things that God spelled out in, uh, in Leviticus that would protect the sojourner. And so that's, that's kind of the point. It's, it's a person who comes in, they don't have that protection, they don't have that provision in that foreign land, and they need help. And you think about that, you guys. Think about that. I'm in a foreign land, and I need provision, and I need protection. I need help. That's us. We're the sojourner. This is another part of our Identity and another part of our destiny. We talked about identity and destiny last week. This is another facet of that, another part of that. We are sojourners. We are literally at the mercy of God who, who um, provides his protection and pro- provides his provision. We are dependent upon that. Is there anybody in this room that you can do without God's provision and pr- protection? Like, like you will make it just fine without God's provision, without his protection? No. Even though there's seasons of our lives when we try to make it on our own and without his provision, without his protection, the truth is we all discover along the way that there's no way that we can... We're sojourners. We have to have help. We're sojourners upon this earth, and God is that help. And then we're also called, as we receive that help, we're called to extend that mercy and to be used by God to provide and protect for others. So we're sojourners, and we have to have a heart for those who are also sojourning, those who need our help. In fact, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Come on, I need to hear more pages. Deuteronomy 10. Remember what I said, we are sojourners, and we're called, who, you know, who have received the mercy of God, and we're called to extend mercy to other sojourners, to other people who are in need. God's meeting our needs. God's being merciful to us. And we extend that mercy to others. Look what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 10, and we'll start in verse 12. It says, Now Israel 
And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Remember, we read that last week. What does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God and to walk in His ways. He requires you to fear Him, to live according to His will, to love and to worship Him with all of your heart and soul, and to obey the Lord's commands and laws that I am giving you today for your own good. In verse 14, he says, The highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of his love, and he chose you, their descendants, above every other nation. Remember, we talked about that last week. As is evident today. Therefore, cleanse your sinful hearts and stop being stubborn. The Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, almighty and awesome who shows no partiality and takes no bribe. And look at what it says here in verse 18. He gives justice to orphans and widows. In other words, he defends the orphans and the widows. It goes on to say, he shows love to the foreigners. That word foreigner there can mean sojourner. He shows love to the uh, sojourner living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to the sojourners, to the foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners. You were once sojourners in the land of Egypt. See, he's bringing that up again. You got to fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths must be in the same, uh, your oaths must be in his name alone. He is your God, the one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done mighty miracles that you yourselves have seen. When your ancestors went down into Egypt, there were only 70 of them. But now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky, which is a testimony to his covenant that he made with Abraham, his desire to bless his people. But backing up, he says, you have got to love the sojourner, love the foreigner, love the person that is in need, and help them, defend them, just like you yourself, as you were sojourning in the land of Egypt, just like you yourself had your needs met. You had your um, you were rescued. You needed to be delivered. You cried out for a deliverer, and I sent you a deliverer. I took you. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. You were provided for, and you were protected. And just like that happened for you, your heart has to be extended in that same attitude of mercy towards other others. And then later on in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-seven, it actually says this: "Cursed." And this is God's heart towards the sojourner. Cursed is the man who withholds justice. From the alien or from the sojourner who does not offend, uh, defend the sojourner. He goes on to say, and the fatherless or the widow. And so think about this. He, you were talking about the sojourners. This is like a legit title. Peter's laying this down for us. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, holy nation. You are foreigners and aliens. You are sojourners. This title that God gives us is legit. This is a really important title for us to to grab onto, to remember God's serious about this. I mean, even to the point where he will uh, curse those who will not defend or provide and protect, show justice to a sojourner. Really quick, say, I am a sojourner. sojourner. How many of you have ever called yourself that? There's one over here. I mean, we call ourselves things like, you know, awesome, I'm awesome. You know, if you have a bad perspective of yourself, you may be, I'm a dummy, I'm a d-. Hopefully not. But how many times have we ever actually called ourselves a sojourner? Yet this is something that, that Scripture says, First Peter, 
Peter, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, calls us sojourners. And God is serious about this title. There were all kinds of laws, all kinds of things set in place for the sojourners then. It's a foreshadowing, a type, a picture of how God would take care of us who are in this earth. Uh, You guys know the earth isn't our home. Heaven is our home. But while we're here for this short stay, God is providing for us. He's protecting us, right? We are sojourners, okay? Now listen, what does this mean for us? Because we're in the midst of this move. God's doing stuff in us. We're trying to figure out, God, what are you doing in us as we are going through this interesting transition? What are you wanting to do? What does this mean for us? And so what I want us to do is is to consider God's love for the sojourners. So what it says right here, He shows, God shows love for the sojourners. And he says, and you too, love, show love to the, to the sojourners. And so here's what I want you to do as we consider that love for the sojourner. I want you to write this down, and I, I mentioned it earlier. A sojourner is vulnerable in a foreign land. I want you to write it that way. A sojourner is vulnerable in a foreign land. Okay, to get that picture, here comes someone, they're visiting, they don't have a home, they're on a journey here, they come into a foreign land, you know, maybe that's hard for us to understand because we're always in the land. But, you know, we just got back from Ethiopia. Some of you maybe have, maybe have been to, I think about the team that went to Russia, you know. I thought, man, that's got to be scary. I was kind of glad I wasn't going to Russia. Well, you get off the plane and you're like, everybody's, you know, talking. You don't understand a word they're saying. You know, there's some dangerous people around here at one time. You know what I mean? It can be scary going into a, a foreign land, you know. So, um, there's a vulnerability that you can fi- feel when you are in somewhere that, that you don't belong, somewhere that's not your home. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a weakness. There's an insecurity. Um, there's a defenseless. There's a feeling maybe even of being um, unsafe, maybe of being susceptible to attack. Or there's a threat. You know, there's all kinds of things that come. You know, think of all the words you can think of that kind of center around or that kind of float around the word vulnerable. When you're vulnerable, it's like, ugh, there's an uneasiness, you know? A sojourner is, a, is vulnerable in a foreign land. And so I thought about, um, for us as a church, how, um, you know, and, and try to stick with me here, but we are, we are, in this, we are on this earth. We are um, here for a temporary stay. We know that heaven is really our home. We know that we'll be here for a while. And depending upon where you're at in life, you could have those same feelings. You could be very, very insecure. You could feel very weak. You could feel, feel very threatened, you know? Uh, the scripture says that we are, we, are to, we are in this world. There's nothing you can do about it. But you have to be not of this world. There's a, there's a, a higher clinging that needs to happen is looking to a greater help. You know, if we're looking to the world and everything that, that's there as our help and as our uh, means of protection and provision, there's going to be a great disappointment. And what seems that may be a payoff even at some point, at some, you know, you're going to find really quickly that there's no payoff. There's no payoff unless it is coming from the Lord. Does that make sense? Because He is our help. And His heart is to provide for and protect uh, the sojourner. So anyway, what does this mean for us? Um, a sojourner is vulnerable in, in a foreign land. I want you to write this next. This move for us, this move, one of the things I feel like God is doing 
It's a reminder that God is our provider. This move is a reminder that God is our provider. I know we've had really good words that God's going to take care of us and, and He's going to show us and He's going to provide it. And I do believe that He will. But to really grasp that, you have to understand His heart and His desire is to be there and protect and provide and be your help in this foreign land. While you're on the move, we're literally on the move. But the move for us, I believe, is a reminder that God is our provider. In a, in a specific way, and I want you to turn to Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Remember what I said. This move, and I believe it's about all kinds of things, but it's a reminder that God is our provider. It says that the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. Some of your versions say, instead of horn of my salvation, it may say my strength, my stronghold. This is a, this is a very powerful verse. I hope you turn there, underline it, write it, maybe even write today's date. We're on a journey. We're sojourners or whatever. Part of this move, I believe, for us, though, is it's reminding us that God is our provider. And here's what I mean by that. And I'm going to lay out four statements. They're written up there, and I want you to, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Our foundation, because he says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. The Lord is my rock. We know that rock speaks of foundation, you know. Uh, You build on a solid foundation. He who builds on the rock will have something that will last. He who builds on the sand, it will be washed away. The Lord is our rock. But listen, our foundation, one of the things I think God is wanting to remind us of, is that our foundation is not built on a building, but on Christ, who is the head of, of we, of us, who is the body. It's one of the things he's wanting to remind us on, that he is our provider. It's very easy to think that uh, our hope, our stability, our foundation is all about where we meet, about the building that we, that we meet in, the location, the address. You know, but it's, it's, it's not about that. Our foundation, if, 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 there, is a, um, if there is a hope that we put in where we meet, then our hope is put in the wrong place. Because Jesus is our hope. If we didn't have any place to meet, we would be fine. Why? Because we're sojourners. Right? We're sojourners. And, and God's heart, according to Scripture, is that He loves the sojourners. And He has set things in place to take care of the sojourners. Peter tells us, you're a foreigner. You're an alien. You're a sojourner. You're, a, you're a, an alien in a foreign land, but it's okay. God's going to meet your needs. For us, as sojourners, it's something to keep in mind is that we're, we're, we're on the move here. We're going to be in another building, but that building is not the juice. You guys hear what I'm saying? Are we on the same page here? Our foundation is built on Jesus, not the foundations, the concrete of a building. Okay? Another thing, our peace... And our comfort are not found within the walls of a building, 
but in God's Spirit who lives in us. I'm talking to us corporately now as a church, and if you're visiting, you're just kind of in on a family conversation. And hopefully those who are gone will listen to the podcast and they will hear this stuff. Our hope, I mean our peace and our comfort is not found within the walls of a building, but in God's Spirit who lives in us. In other words, I am not just going to be settled and, and comfortable and, and good to go when we get into another building. You know? And that's one of the things I've, I've, that the Lord's been dealing with me about, about is, you know, how, how, much, how much peace and comfort that you have in your heart, Tony, comes from the fact that you have a nice building and a great location for a great rental price with comfortable chairs. You know what I mean? And it's pretty convicting. It's like, ah, oh, you show up on Sundays, but for me, you show up every day to study or to meet with someone or to, you know, rock it out on the drums while nobody's listening, whatever it is I might do. <laughs> but listen, I, I, I do remember a couple of times where there's some pastor friends that we meet about once a month and just encourage each other and love on each other. And, um, and uh, when they were looking for a place to meet, when we were looking for a place to meet, I offered our place. Oh, yeah, we can meet in our place. It's awesome. You'll love our place. And there was a part of me that was really excited to show everybody where Soma meets, how nice of a building we have. And, you know, one of the first things that the Lord convicted me of when we, I found out that we were going to be moving, when I found out for sure, because the Lord spoke it months ago. You can listen to that on the first podcast. But one of the first things that came to my mind is, wow, I sure had grown comfortable here. You know? Not just worshiping together with you, but in my daily routine. Not that I'm doing anything wrong or playing the drums all day. <laughs> but wow, I sure have become comfortable, uh, comfortable here. And there's a peace and rest knowing, glad we got a place to meet. And it's nice, too. Especially if you've been with us a while and you know some of the other places we've met. <laughs> But listen, our peace and our comfort are not found within the walls of a building. It's found in, in the Holy Spirit who offers us peace, who is the comforter. And He lives inside of us. So if we have to meet in that parking lot across the road, then we're good to go, really. Amen? Amen? Amen. Another thing is our treasures are not stored up for ourselves here on this earth. Remember, a reminder that God is our provider. This move is, a, is to remind us that God is our provider. Listen, our treasures are not stored up for ourselves here on this earth, but in our real home, which is heaven. There's all kinds of directions I could go in that, but how easy is it that we get settled in and comfortable here, and all of a sudden, we really start seeking comfort in every area of our life and our lives, our money, our time, or everything just starts going all over the place. And listen, I think the, the consensus these days is that time is the new commodity, right? Even more than money. You're successful now, not about how much money you make, but about how much free time you got. Have you all heard that? You all read that? It's totally true. So I'm not even just talking about money. I'm talking about treasure, any kind of treasure. Our treasures are not stored up for ourselves here on this earth. It's not all about me, all about my pocketbook. All about, it's, it's, it's about 
the kingdom. And God is wanting, I think, in the midst of this to remind us of that. It's like, ho, 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 ho. I just want to remind you, you're a sojourner, and you need help, and you're provided for, but lest you think that you are the one providing for yourself. Amen? And the last thing is our ministry doesn't flow out of a building, but out of our hearts. This is, this is really important. Our ministry, what we do, Scripture says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, that we are supposed to be reaching out. Last week we talked about what it means to be a priesthood, you know, bringing the power of God to the needs of the people. Listen, that's not all about a building. That flows first from our hearts. If it's not flowing from our hearts, then the building is a sham. Amen? Our ministry does not flow out of a building, but out of our hearts. So we're talking about our foundation is not built on a building, but on Christ. Our peace, our comfort is not found within the walls, but in the Spirit. Our treasure is to be stored up in heaven, not here on earth. Our ministry, that ministry of reconciliation flows out of our heart, not necessarily out of a building. Now, in light of those things, does that mean that we have to question whether or not we're supposed to even have a place to meet? Does that mean that we don't need a place to go? No, that's not what that means. A a meeting place is important. You look at Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Do not let us give up on meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. It goes on to say, But let us encourage one another. When we gather together, it's for the purpose of encouragement. It's for the purpose of of building one another up. It's for the purpose of, of being prepared to be ministers and all those kinds of things. So no, we don't, it's not that we don't now have to have, a, because all these things, we don't need a place to meet. Listen, the local body needs a place to meet. If we're going to gather, if we're going to worship, worship together, we need a place to do that, okay? But my point is this. If there's going to be priority, if we're going to look for the great location, we're going to look for the, the building that's big enough to hold all the kids that are running around like rabid animals. You know, if we're going to find a place in the right pride, all those things. And then all those things are important and they are priority. But listen, the highest priority, and you can write this down, is the presence of the Lord. God's presence must be our priority. It has to be our priority. And I, you know, you hear of weird, whacked out things that happen in churches all the time throughout, you know, the history and I think that's what happens, is the priority of God's presence gets lost. And we start, we start making our foundation about the building, rather than Jesus Christ and the gospel. We start finding our comfort in, how, in our chairs, <laughs> literally, you know, instead of the Holy Spirit who's with us even if we were sitting on the ground. We find comfort in the air conditioner. We find, and I, believe me, today's the day where I'm like, thank you God for air conditioning. You know, I can't promise that the next place that we have will have air conditioning, you know. <laughs> What if we didn't? <laughs> but listen, God's presence must be priority because very quickly it can become about these other things. It can become distorted. It can become about all kinds of other things. And then not only have we forgotten that we are sojourners, that we're on the move, we have forgotten how to extend that mercy towards others who are sojourners and in need. And all of a sudden, we have just become people who are planted, fat, not doing one, one thing. The only thing we're reconciling is our checkbooks. Amen? That's not who we want to be. So I think that's something that God's trying to teach us in this move, to remind us that He is our provider, to remind us that He is the center of it all, to remind us that His presence is priority. So wherever we go, whenever we go, however big it is, however whatever it is, 
As long as my presence is there with you, as long as you're drawing near to me, I'll promise I will draw near to you. There's a transaction that happens, and you've had church. You know what I mean? Amen? Those are interesting reminders, aren't they? How often does, do a people get reminded of that and then heed that reminder? I think God's wanting to remind us more than we think he is. But we're not understanding that, we're, that this life is temporary. This building is temporary. My house is temporary. My car is temporary. You know, some of you got, you know, you had braces when you were kids. You're like, oh, they were only temporary. If you still got them on, then you really had a jacked up grill. You know what I mean? <laughs> Things are temporary. It's not going to be final. It's not going to be done, done, done until we are in heaven with God. And then we're going to look back and say, why did I fret? And this is stuff God's teaching me. Why did I fret about a place, a house? Why did I fret about how much money? Why did I spend that much money on that? You know, all those kinds of things. These are just reminders. We are sojourners in a foreign land. And while we're here, we've got to get greater perspective and greater priority. And that is his presence. You guys remember when Moses was just about to take the people? Well, he didn't take the people into the promised land, but things were about to happen. They were moving forward. And he said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not lead us up from here. Remember that? I love the message version of it. It's like my vernacular. (laughs) Moses said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, then call this trip off right now. I love that. And that's how serious he is. We'll call the whole thing off. You know, and there's a part of me as, as you know, I have the privilege of getting to stand before you every week and, and teach the word and, and lead in some sense. Man, my heart attitude is the same thing. This is a big deal, isn't it? Soma's moving. It's a big deal. It's going to be a, a bigger place, probably. It's probably going to cost more per month rent. You know what I mean? Well, why don't you just buy them? Because we're sojourners. <laughs> we're on the move. You hear what I'm saying? As long as we can sojourn, we will sojourn. Um, and I have the same attitude. It's like, this is a big deal. You know, we talk in, in staff and in elders, and I think I said to Nick the other day, I cannot even believe we're having these conversations. We were, we were doing so good here. You know what I mean? It's like, bah! And then, you know, anyway, some of the conversations that we're having to have as we prepare to move is like, are we really having this conversation? Wow. But we are, and this is a big deal. And my thought is this. If the Lord's not leading us here, if the priority of us, the body, the collective body, the group of sojourners here, this mass group of people that are experiencing an exodus, if we are not going to have the Lord and the kingdom as the priority his presence as priority, then God just call this whole thing off right now. Call this whole trip off. Fortunately, I know that we are of one mind, one heart when it comes to this kind of stuff. Amen? And this is a good thing. And our heart attitude is the same as Moses. Lord, we want your presence with us. Wherever we meet, that's fine. We just want your presence to be there. We just want, every time we come into this place, we know that we will experience your power and presence. That you will change our hearts, that you will mold us and shape us and the testimonies of people's lives that are changing and growing and maturing in Christ, those things are increasing. People coming to know the Lord for the first time, those things are happening. Lord, as as long as we know that stuff's going to happen, 
We, we're good to go. As long as your presence is with us, we don't have a problem. And I think that's one of the things that God was establishing in, in Abraham as a sojourner. His presence. It's one of the things that he was establishing in, in Moses. You know, Moses, in the, in the sojourn in Midian, who does he meet up in the mountains in the burning bush? God, what did God say? You're standing on holy ground. Which means what? You're in my presence. <laughs> you think about Israel and how God led them out of Egypt and through the desert. It says he led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. His presence led them during that whole... I mean, talk about sojourning. They're packed up and moved all the time in the wilderness. But his presence led them. And you think about, you remember I told you the Amplified Version added the word exile to this because there's a lot of times where Israel was exiled. They were dispersed. They were sent from this land and that land and they were, had to go because of disobedience. You know, but in the midst of that exile, surge, sojourning that way, what was God's purpose in that? To lead them back to himself, to establish his presence and his power back in their lives, to put him as priority again in their lives. So however you look at it, for whatever reason you're journeying, what God is trying to do is draw us back to himself and make his presence our priority. Amen? One of the things as I was preparing this that I thought about is, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to make this move. And I know I'm taking a little more time because there's a lot to talk about. This move really is, is I believe, more than just about what God's doing in, in our corporate body. I believe it's trickling down really deep into each individual. I know it is me because, like I say, we're, we sold our house and we are, you know, we've moved and we're wanting to find a different house and closer to Tyler and all that stuff. By the way, we, we're renting a house now, so pressure's off a little bit, but um, we're in a house. We're not living with Marvin anymore. I'm sure he's like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Sojourning in the Slayton house is over, you know. But I do believe that God's going to do some things deep in us personally. And as I thought about that, I thought about how you could be thinking pretty easily that if God's not doing, if you're not in a move, or you haven't been in a move for 20 years, I've lived in the same place my whole life. I've never moved anywhere. I guess God's not doing anything in my life because he hasn't moved me. I know that kind of, is kind of goofy and shallow thinking maybe, but maybe it comes up that way. Uh, and maybe you think, well, Moses was in... Egypt, 40 years. That's a long time. And then he was a median, 40 years. That's a long time. You know, listen, I want you to write this down. Because whatever God's doing in you, whether it's a geographical move or just moving in your life spiritually, in the depths of your heart and soul, write this down. Sojourning is not about the quantity of time. But it's about the quality of change. It doesn't matter if, if he's moving you for a day or for a year or for 40 years. It's not about the amount of time that you're sojourning or how long you're staying in a place or in a season or in a difficulty. It's, that's, the time is never the issue. It's about the change that happens in the midst, uh, during that time. Does that make sense? And what a waste. What a waste to be going through a difficulty, to be sojourning, to be in this place of uh, just visiting a place, whatever, and be on the other end of that move or the other end of that journey and not have changed one bit. Wouldn't that be a waste? It's not about the quantity of time, but it's about the quality of change. Amen? Okay, let's stand.